Boomers, you are dismissed as parents. They will be upstairs in the youth room. The rest of us, we're going to continue our verse-by-verse study in the book of Ephesians. So if you'll turn in the New Testament, we're going to be in chapter 6, and we're going to cover the first four verses. So Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. If you need a Bible, just raise your hand, and Jerry will slip you a Bible so you can read these verses with us. It's going to be the focus of our study this morning is first four verses of chapter 6. It's been a powerful study, Ephesians chapter 6, and as we finished chapter 5 last week, keep in mind that we are reading from God's Word. And this section of Ephesians, which is chapters 4, 5, and 6, tell us that as the apostle exhorts us to walk worthy of the calling which we are called. And in verses 22 of chapter 5, and we'll continue through verse 9 of chapter 6, we're being told how it is that we can have blessing and unity in our relationship with others. I think that we would agree that there's three areas of relationship that are of priority and importance in people's lives. One is the marriage relationship. Second of all, parents to children, children to parents. And then thirdly is the workplace. And these are three areas that the apostle addresses in this section of Ephesians. And whenever there is difficulty or problems, sin or separation in these areas of relationship with others, it causes great stress, doesn't it? causes sadness and pain and hurt. But when these relationships are strong and healthy, then it is a tremendous blessing and joy in our lives. So that's why I say this is God speaking to us. He wants to bless those relationships. He wants us to have harmony in the home and in the marriage and in the workplace. So, Father, we come to you this morning. And I pray that our ears would be open to you and our hearts soft before you as we read your word once again. We know that there's only one perfect bridegroom. There's only one perfect father, and that's you, Lord. But, Lord, may you work these things in our lives as you've called us in the marriage relationship and then being parents or in the workplace as we discuss these things, relationship with others, that we know that you desire to bless and to work. So I pray that we would be humbled before you and ready to learn from you, receive from you, because there are so many voices that are out there in the world that is in direct violation of your word, rebellion against your word, telling us how to live, telling us what to do. And Lord, we want to hear from you because every commandment that you give to us is an expression of your love so we can live that abundant life that you have for us, that we can do well, that we can have the peace and the wisdom and the courage and the strength to live a life and experience life the way it was meant to be. So, Lord, I pray that you would teach us all right now. We would be attentive, free from distractions. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. I believe that every person that has come into this place in all three services today, that you have it as a, a priority to have the relationships that you have with others, to be healthy and to be good and to be strong. And I know that being a pastor over the last 24 years, that as I've seen what has happened in marriage relationships and in the family with children, that as we look at our society, there is more of, of a division in families than ever before, where there is divorce, where there is rebellion of children, 
where there is difficulty and hardship that has taken place. And society has come along and tried all kinds of things and programs and philosophies to help. But the Lord who ordained marriage, as we talked about last week, ordained the family unit. He comes along, and through Paul the Apostle, here, as Paul writes this letter to the Christians at Ephesus, and it's for us here at Calvary Chapel, that he says that here's the key, complete surrender. Complete surrender to the Lord. As you come, this is how you can walk worthy of the calling which you are called. You see, you've been blessed. You have all the spiritual blessings that are found in Christ that come through him alone. And that is that you've been chosen and redeemed and forgiven and you've been adopted and you have an eternal inheritance and you've been rescued because you were spiritually dead. And now you're a part of, of this thing called the church, a holy temple unto God. You've been brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ. And as we just marvel at all these, these incredible spiritual blessings that are ours in Christ, that, that we, as we understand more of the love and grace of Jesus Christ, then this is how you walk with him. This is how you're to live for him. And one of the things that I pray for all of us here is that we would never have the mindset of how much of the world can I have in me and being worked in my life and still be a Christian. But rather, we're to put off, as Paul said, the old man. No longer that you're to walk as the Gentiles. That's just a term for unbelievers. Put it away. Jesus is not just added to our old life, but everything becomes new. And we're to walk in that, that newness of life. Put on the new man, as Paul would say. And, and as you walk in the holiness and in righteousness. And of course, it's only the Lord working in us and through us that we are able to do that. That's why it's complete surrender. That, Lord, it isn't how much of the world can I have and still be a Christian, but, Lord, how much of you can I have? That I can be further and further away from the world. Because, listen, the world isn't your hope. And the world is dark and it's getting darker. It is evil. It's getting more evil. And there's all those voices out there that are telling you what to accept and what to believe and how to live and we need to remember that every commandment of the Lord is true, first of all. And second of all, is that expression of his love. And it's not burdensome as the apostle of John would write in his first epistle. That the Lord wants to bless you for you not only to experience life, eternal life, but life now, that abundant life that he has for you and for me. What does that mean, Pastor? What does it mean, abundant life? That you have the wisdom and the peace and the strength and the assurance and the comfort that you need to live life the way it was meant to be lived. That the Lord, everything that you need in life, complete satisfaction and fulfillment comes from Him, is found in Him. It's not found in the world. So that's why it's important that, that as we go through this slowly, this section of, of Ephesians, that, that we desire as we want to have harmony and blessing in the marriage relationship that we talked about, that we understand what it is that the Lord is telling us. And we talked about over the last couple of weeks the, the roles of men and, and women, wives and husbands in their re marriage relationship. What are the responsibilities that we have as husbands and wives? What it means for wives to submit to their husbands as unto the Lord? What it means for, for husbands to, to lead in their homes because they are the head of the wife? What does that mean? What does headship mean? 
It means that, first of all, that we come and we're loving our wives as Christ loved the church, laying down our life for her. That means serving her. That means coming in, in humility and independency upon the Lord to help me cherish and to love her unconditionally, supremely. And I want to remind us again, because it's such an important topic for us personally, that God desires for you who are married in the marriage relationship to bless and strengthen your marriage, for your love for each other to grow as your love for the Lord grows. And as I mentioned to you, that a good relationship with our spouse is going to be dependent upon a good relationship with the Lord. Be surrendered to Him. And be yielding and take heed to the word that He has given to us. Our society has come along and has polluted so badly what love really is and what marriage is. So that Christians are very confused these days. Christians are, are compromising. And we see that God's instructions given to us, his definition of marriage, and God who calls marriage a holy institution, sees marriage as a very important and serious matter. And it was Jesus in Matthew chapter 19, and here Paul, he confirmed it, uh, as we saw here in verse 31 of chapter 5 of this epistle, that marriage was ordained clear back in the beginning. Jesus said to those religious leaders, Oh, have you not read that in the beginning he made them male and female? And a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. And Paul ended this section on marriage, telling us in verse 32 of the chapter 5 that marriage is to be a picture. He says, here's a mystery here. It's to be a witness of God's love for us, the church. We as believers refer to as the bride of Christ. You say, are we really? Well, in, in Matthew chapter 9, verse 15, that Jesus refers to himself as the bridegroom. In Revelation chapter 19, as the bride is ready to come with Jesus Christ and the second coming of Jesus Christ, the marriage feast of the Lamb that we're at, and, and the bridegroom is ready to bring his bride as he will come and establish his kingdom here on the earth, and we're going to come with him. So we are the bride of Christ, his church. Uh, another reason we have such a privileged status uh, in being believers that we're brought near, we're part of a holy temple, we're the bride of Christ. And you see, what God desires to do in our Christian marriages, husbands and wives, that he desires for it to be an illustration of his love for us. And again, I understand that God's love for us is perfect, it's, it's supreme, it's, it's indescribable, unmeasurable, as the scripture says. And God is still working all of that love as his, that perfect love, agape love in our lives. But somehow, some way, our marriages, husbands and wives, is to be a picture, an illustration to a world that needs to see it of Christ's love for us. As husbands, we're loving our wives as Christ loved the church. As Christ loved us and gave himself for us, for you to be given yourself to your wife. So all these things that, that are very important for us to consider and pray through. And remember back in the garden in Genesis 2, a part of, of Adam, you know, his side, he gave a part of himself, a part of his rib in order to get a bride for himself. And Christ, remember this, that he gave all of himself to purchase a bride unto himself. And Adam's side was opened up to get a bride in Christ's side. It was pierced with a sword. 
As he hung on that cross, that Roman soldier thrust that spear up into his side, and when he pulled it out, out came the blood and the water. And why? So he can get a bride, you. And I want you to remember this. You are the bride of Christ. You are valuable to the Lord. He loves you. He has saved you. He's made you a new creation in Christ. And if you're single, don't feel like you're a second-rate Christian because he hasn't called everyone to be married, at least at this point. Maybe someday you will be married. But not all are called to be married. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, you see the Bible says not only is it good to be married, a man who finds a wife, it is good, but also to be single. So in your single state, there are advantages that you have, and that is serving the Lord, giving all your focus to him. Because you're not having to take care of of a spouse or take care of children or whatever it might be. So both are good. And one of the things that we have is is, um, Angie, who plays the keyboard, has written a devotion on singleness. And it is an excellent book. And I'm getting a couple books for my daughters for them to read and to be encouraged in the Lord and to move forward in the Lord. To have Christ richly dwelling in your hearts. And to grow in the love and knowledge of Jesus Christ. And we're going to have that available in the bookstore to be a help to you. But whatever state that you find yourself in, you are valuable to the Lord. And he loves you. And God's word given to us is for our benefit so that we can live in truth. We don't live in deception and confusion that we see so much in the world today. So we're to submit ourselves to the Spirit of God working in our lives. And as I mentioned to you, a good and godly marriage is to be a result of a good and strong relationship with the bridegroom, Jesus Christ. So if you weren't here over the last couple of weeks, I would encourage you to pick up a a CD or download it from our website. You can listen to it then and be encouraged and, and ask the Lord to bless your marriage as he desires to do that. Well, what we're going to do is we're going to continue with this section of harmony in verses 1 through 4, and it's going to speak about our relationship now with our children, and then next time we're going to see how we can have harmony and unity and blessing in the workplace. But here we're going to see that the Lord addresses specifically the children and the fathers as well. It is very challenging in a day in which we're living in to have a godly marriage. It is also very difficult and challenging in raising our children today, especially in the day in which we're living in. What our children are facing. How the evil and the darkness of the world is so accessible to them, usually by push of a button. The temptations that are before them to pull them away from the Lord. The truth of the Lord and the truth of God's word. Our children are being told point blank in our society that there is no God. There is no creator. There's no real purpose to live for God. And because of that, there's many, many difficulties that come and challenges to you and to me. There's greater crisis in homes today with their children than ever before. And I believe that the enemy Satan is working harder than ever to get a foothold into our homes, into our marriages, and with their kids. So we need to be submitted more than ever to the Lord and more than ever to the Word of God. So let's begin to look at this. In Ephesians chapter 6, we do read in verse 1, that children, you obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And you're to honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you, and you may live long on the earth. And you fathers do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. 
Now, husbands, fathers, this section of Ephesians, as we read, does address you and, and, and your responsibilities. And you might be thinking, okay, here we go again, Pastor Jeff. You're really going to kind of give it to us guys. But not only to the children, but fathers being addressed. And I hope, I just want to stop and say this, that men, husbands, fathers, I hope that we, me included, are being reminded once again how God has called us to lead. The importance of it. How we've been divinely ordained to be the leaders of our homes and in our marriages and, and with our children. He has given us that responsibility in being husbands, the leaders, and parenting and leading and raising our children in the ways of the Lord. And we need not to take that lightly. And what I pray is that today that it wouldn't be condemning to us in any way. There's all kinds of different states that we come into as you have in the last couple of weeks. You may be divorced or you may be a single parent or you're the only one in the marriage that is a believer. And I don't want to condemn anyone. And the Lord does not desire to bring condemnation because for those who are in Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation, Romans chapter 8. But he does bring conviction. And that conviction is good. Always remember that, that conviction is to draw us to the Lord. Not to push us away. Condemnation comes from the enemy, and he desires to condemn, to accuse, to push us away from the Lord. Conviction is to bring us to the Lord as we just take heed God's word, as we listen to God, as he speaks to our hearts, desiring to work in our lives. And I understand, as I mentioned to you, there's only one perfect bridegroom, that's Jesus Christ, only one perfect Father, our Heavenly Father, but it is our Lord who wants to empower us. And becoming men of God that he desires for us to be and loving fathers and to be humbled before him, to be loving husbands. We do have a priestly role in the home men. But let's first begin to look at what we just read as we see that God, what he has to say about responsibility of our children. As verse 1, we'll read it again. Children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. So the command is really simple. Children, obey your parents. And when you look at this word for children in the original language, in the Greek, it refers to not just small children, but any children that are living under their parents' roof. Teenagers, high schoolers, others that, that are under the roof of the home of their parents. And I love how the Holy Spirit is working here, how he is inspiring Paul to write these words. Paul, you address the children directly. The Lord is saying, you children, whatever age that you are, this is easy for you to understand that I am now talking to you about your responsibility to the Lord and to your parents. God says you are to obey your parents for it is right and not only to obey them, but then in verse 2, honor your mother and your father as well. So in your own personal relationship with God, you obey your parents, you honor them because it is right in the sight of the Lord. One of the things for us, I think, to really ask God to help us, Lord, I need your help in this, is explaining to our children, especially as they get older, that I think that, that we need to explain to them that one of the greatest expressions that you, that you can have that the Lord truly is the Lord of your life is to obey and honor your parents 
And you say, we don't do this to manipulate them. You better obey and you better honor your parents or you're not a Christian and, you know, and, and God's not going to love you and all this. No, but rather for them to understand this, that no amount of mission trips or youth group activities or they're here at church a couple times a week, all those things are great and beneficial but none of those things will stand up as a testimony that the Lord is real in your life if there's rebellion against mom and dad. If you're showing disrespect to mom and dad. That's one of the things that I really hate about in our society about what you see on TV or sitcom. I don't watch TV anymore. It just is so discouraging. And all the other things that are there, not only dark and evil, but, you know, the, the comedies and what is very popular, what makes them very, very, you know, uh, trendy and stuff is have the children that are disrespectful to mom and dad, undermining their authority, and because mom and dad are stupid, they don't understand what's going on, so undermine them and lie and all of this, and then it's supposed to be entertaining and comical, and, and that's something that's all around us all the time. Just a continual display of open rebellion of children towards parents and I hope that you that are here, you kids that are here, hear me on this, that that sort of attitude, I pray, is never a part of your spiritual life. And if it is, it will have negative spiritual consequences to a great, great degree. Obedience to God is something that children need to learn. And the easiest way to learn obedience is at home in the instruction of your parents, parents who love you like no one else in life, Your boss is not going to love you like that. And I have seen that child that isn't obedient to their parents, and there is a very good chance that they're not going to be obedient to their Heavenly Father. And when a young person lives a life of obedience and honor to the parents, it is a tremendous testimony of the Lord in your heart and a huge witness to the world and other young people that are watching you. You obey them in the Lord. Parents, you know this. I know that you know this, that, that your desire is not to subject them to anything carnal or sinful that is wrong and not pleasing to the Lord. That the decisions that we make for our children, and there are a lot of decisions that we have to make for them, where they're going to go, what they're going to do, what it is that they're going to watch, what activities that they're involved in, is this pleasing to you, Lord, or is this going to hurt them? And if I need to keep them away from that, then I need to be a parent. I need to step up and I need to talk to them about it. And kids, when you get angry or upset at your parents and you say, no, I'm not going to do that, that is not pleasing to the Lord, when they're wanting to do what is best for you and protecting you and bringing a covering to you in your life. And if you're going to say no, you better have the word of God to support what you're saying no to rather than, I want to stay out late because mom and dad, everybody else is staying out late, or they get to go here, or they get to see that, or they get to have that. And you get mad and you stomp off. You see, when that happens, is I'm not responsible for everybody else, what they're doing. As a parent, that's what we say. But I am responsible for you. And I do love you, and this is what I desire, and this is what I, 
the decision is, and sometimes we have to say no, we have to make decisions that are not popular for our children. And young people, if you're afraid to say to others, to friends, hey, I can't go or get this because my parents said no and I respect them, then you will be afraid to tell others later in life that I'm not going to partake in this because my Heavenly Father says no. No, I'm not going to with, go with you after work to the bars. No, I'm not going to go to partying. No, I'm not going to take drugs. No, I'm not going to drink a bunch of alcohol. I'm not going to watch this. You see, that's why Paul says that it's right to obey your parents, verse 3, that it may be well with you, that you may live long on the earth, Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 16, where God, he promises that he's going to bless the obedient child. And what verse 3 here, the text that we read this morning, is simply saying that you will have a blessed life. You're going to have a full life, however long you may live. But I would like to, to make another note concerning children's responsibility to the parents Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. In other words, the first set of commands from God given to his people, the Ten Commandments, which includes what? Honoring mother and father. And so as we read this, understand that obeying and harmony go together. So children, young people, the Lord desires for you to be obedient to your parents in the Lord, to honor them. It is not the attitude of telling your parents off or I'm smarter than you are, and I'm going to get upset, roll your eyes, I may do what you want me to do, but I'm going to stomp off and go to my room and slam the door behind me. God says there is obedience and honoring, and you are to be trained in life in that as to have a productive life and a good life, to have an influence for the Lord. And when you... At the time it comes that you leave the house, that you are under a place of authority, wherever it might be, probably at the workplace, in the church, whatever, you think you're going to get away with doing that when you're working for somebody? They all put up with it, but you're going to be disrespectful and you're going to stomp off pouting. You know what? Your boss is not going to put up with it. And you might be thinking, well, that's obvious, Pastor, but I've seen people grow up and, and then all of a sudden they have difficulty. They go from job to job. They go from church to church. They go from relationship to relationship because they don't know how to humble themselves. They don't know how to respect people. They don't know how to live in the way that God is calling us to live. And they have such difficulties and it's everybody else's fault. And again, the Lord desires for us to humble ourselves and to come to that place where we're not going through life murmuring and complaining and stomping around because we didn't get what we wanted to all the time. So Paul is saying, listen, there is headship, there is authority, there is divine authority that I've given to you, and parents are to be in authority and children obey your parents. So it might be well with you. But also remember as children, as we grow and leave the home, as we have our own family, the commandment to obey parents is going to change, isn't it? You're no longer under the parental authority that you have when you're under their roof, but you still, all the days of your life, of your parents, you're going to honor them. You're going to honor them and respect them. Now, there may be some that are here. I know there will be those that are here. That you say, you know what? What my parents brought to my life was nothing but misery and darkness and abuse. Pastor, how am I to honor that? 
And I am so sorry for your loss. Your loss of childhood, the hurt that you've experienced, the, the difficulties that you went through. I don't want to make light of that. So you honoring your parents may be that I, Lord, help me to pray for them and not to have this bitterness and to come to that place of forgiving that you help me day by day, moment by moment to be able to do that. And we're here to encourage you and to bless you in that and to help you. So the Lord desires to bring that to your life. And then Paul closes this section where he's telling us how we can have harmony in the home with our spouses, with the children. Again, as he turns to the men, he turns to us fathers. Verse 4, And you fathers do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. The reason that I think Paul once again turns to the father, he doesn't just, you know, he doesn't mention the mothers here. Why? Is it because, moms, you don't play a major role in raising your children? Of course you do. And we can point to Scripture that speaks of a mother raising and loving her children. But I think that Paul's addressing specifically the fathers here because he's reminding us that, again, we are the leaders in our homes, not only with our wives, as we discussed the last two weeks, but fathers were to take the lead in raising our children. Fathers, you bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. That word means instructions of the Lord. I know that you work hard. I know that time is tight. I know that you're tired when you get home. But dads, we cannot come to that place where we're making excuses and I've got burdens and I don't have the time to raise my children in the training of the Lord and in the teaching of the things of God. God has commanded us to make sure that this is taking place in our homes and it is a priority. And this is just an opinion of mine, but it is a very strong opinion. I believe that the greatest need in the church today is men to lead. To lead in their marriages and to lead in their families when it comes to their children. And men, we cannot neglect that. We need God's help. We can't just have the mindset of, well, I hope my kids do okay. You got to do more than just hope that they don't get into trouble. We got to be praying for them and talking to them and spending time with them and teaching them the things of God and getting your kids up. One of the things that I commend you guys get your kids up and you bring them and you bring them to church and you come to church as a family Wednesday nights. You know, I'm so thrilled to see so many kids that are here Wednesday night making that a part of your life during the week. Because fruit's going to come from it. When dads and moms, you come alongside and you say, this is a priority, the things of the Lord. And you make your home a place where the Lord is spoken of. And it's a, a place of safety and security. It's a place where the Lord is spoken of and honored. And you're going to have a blessed home. And I've just got to say this, men, that if you're doing anything involved and continue to be involved in some kind of sin or carnality or compromise that is a detriment to your spouse, to your wife, to your kids, please stop and repent. And that goes with any of us. So God here has given us some very simple instructions, but very powerful instructions. 
He goes on and he says, don't provoke your children to wrath there in verse 4. What does that mean? I think that Paul gives us some more insights we'll see when we get to the book of Colossians in chapter 3 where he writes, fathers, don't provoke your children lest they become discouraged. So what does it mean to provoke your children to wrath? Don't discourage them with cruel words, unfair expectations, so quick to criticize and tear them down. And we can do that. Sometimes we don't even know that we're doing it. I've done that before. Yeah, you had a bad game. You didn't score four touchdowns, you know. You made a mistake in a recital. You didn't do so well on this paper. And I know that we want to encourage them. We want to teach them, do your best, work hard, you know, don't be lazy, teach them responsibilities, but we want to be careful that we're not always being negative and focusing on the negative and discouraging them and putting them down all the time and putting unrealistic expectations on them. But to meet them where they're at and to bring them up in the training of the Lord, to be able to talk to them about when they do fall short, which means spending time with them. Dads, take a walk with your daughters and talk to them. Spend some time with them. Fathers, Teach your sons to grow up to be men. Another problem that, again, this is my opinion, but I think a big problem is the Peter Pan syndrome. I don't want to grow up. Men, teach your sons to work, to respect, to be responsible to respect their mother, their sisters, because that will go a long way in how it is they're going to treat their wife in the future. To grow up, to be men of integrity and godly character. They need you. No, this is for all of us. This is for me. When we take them out to Dairy Queen, it's a great time. And, and I've been called on this, but we need to get off our phones and put them down and have a real discussion with our kids. We don't want to have the mindset of, well, we'll just you know, go to church and we'll drop them off at youth and that'll be enough. We want to be here to help you and we pray that it is a benefit to you and a blessing to you. Of course it is. But my point is this, that you are primarily to raise them up in the ways of the Lord. You're the one that has that primary responsibility given to you by the Lord. We want to encourage you in that. Because if you're not spending time with them, with your kids, there are too many other things that are very scary that are going to spend time with your kids. Voices, what's on the computers, everything else. And we got to be so, so careful more than ever in the world in which we live in, right? We need God's help. And we need to be honest with them and know what's going on in our children's lives. For them to be able to trust us, to be able to come to us and talk with us. So it's very challenging But in this, I do want to remind us that here we have two groups of people, the children and parents mentioned. The parents are not called to obey the children. The parents are not called to be the coolest mom or dad or I'll just be their buddy 
and let them have what they want or do what they want. In other words, the children are not to run the household. Parents, you are. You are in that place of authority over the children, which includes disciplining them and saying no to them. And at times, at that time, you're not going to be very cool to them. They're not going to see you as a buddy. But you're going to be a parent. And I guarantee you that when you desire to bring correction and discipline and when you say no to them, I guarantee they're going to come back to you someday and say thank you. Because no can be a very wonderful answer. The Lord says no to us. What would it be like if, if the Lord who loves us so much, perfectly. He gave us everything that we wanted. I think some of the things that I wanted would have destroyed me. And we know that we need to say no. And there's going to be more and more pressure that is on us as parents to say yes, to give in, to compromise. Well, everybody else is doing it. Well, you know what? The Lord has called us to be strong and courageous, and it takes great courage to be a parent today. And I want you children to know your parents love you so much. And there is that trusting and looking to them. And there is that honoring them that has your role. And as you do that, it's going to help you in life. And it's going to bless you. So we don't want to... Moms and dads and husbands and wives get away from God's simple instructions on marriage and the family. We don't want to buy into society's philosophies and ways on the family that is so contrary to God's ways, but rather God wants our homes to be a place of blessing and joy and true happiness. And we need to always be aware of our need for Christ. Well, so much more to say, but we're going to stop right there. So, Father, we thank you. We thank you for these words, four verses that are powerful and impacting that, oh, Lord, it does bring conviction to us because we all fall short as parents and husbands loving our wives and wives respecting our husbands and children obeying. We, we all fall short, but, Lord, we recognize our need for you being submitted to you. So, Lord, I do pray. I pray for your help and your empowering. For your truth to be worked out in our lives. And, Father, I just want to pray for if there's anyone here in a coffee shop or in the sanctuary or listening on live stream. You've never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ. You can't do any of this. Live for the Lord unless you belong to the Lord by surrendering your life to him, recognizing that you're a sinner, just like all of us are, in need of the Savior, Jesus Christ, who died for your sins. He went to a cross and suffered in such tremendous ways. He was beaten. He was nailed to a cross. He shed his blood. And on that cross, he cried out, it is finished. I've died for your sins. I've made atonement. 
And as you go to him, realizing that not only he died for you, that death, taking your sin upon himself, he was put into a grave and he rose again and he's alive. And he is the savior of the world. He is the king of all kings, the Lord of all lords. And if you believe in your heart the Lord Jesus and confess with your mouth that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. You see, salvation comes not by your work. It comes by recognizing your need and coming in faith in Jesus Christ and what he has done for you and who he is. A surrender. To repent means change direction and turn to Jesus. And give your life to him. He's calling you. He says, come. That whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And if that's you this morning, salvation is today. And you pray right where you're sitting, Jesus, I come to you as I am a sinner. And I confess that I am a sinner. And I ask that you forgive me of my sins. You died on the cross for me. Forgive me. And I believe that you rose again. Because you're alive, speaking to my heart, knocking on the door of my heart, and I now ask that you be my personal Lord and Savior, the Lord and Savior of my life. And thank you for dying for me. And help me to live for you and to know you more. In Jesus' name. And if anyone prayed that prayer, I want to ask that you come up and pray with Jim up in the front seat here when we conclude the service. But but for all of us, Lord, help us. I pray for marriages would be stronger. That you bring healing. That, Lord, that for those of us who are parents, that you would help us to, to raise our children in the ways of the Lord, our grandchildren. To be the priests of our homes, fathers. And take the lead in training and teaching our children in the things of God. Having our homes be a place of safety and security because there's so much out there, the, the attack on our homes to come against us in a way that you desire for us to live and what to believe. So Lord, I pray that you would just be with us and guide us. Help us go home and be encouraged in each and every day. Whatever situation or circumstance that we face, knowing that you love us and you want to work. Lord, I thank you for us being here today. And I pray right now that you would just take us all home safely. Bless our week coming up. Help us to keep our eyes on you. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.